Good morning. You're listening to River City Revival. This is Reverend Liz Jackson, and today's topic is society, the moral laws given to Moses by Abba Yah. This is a Leviticus 19 breakdown, and as always, in the description box of this podcast, you will find a link to the Lion's Tears Ministry, where you can go and read everything that is going to be referenced in all of the podcasts. In the sermons on why Yod does not save every soul, and the law of the spirit of life versus the law of sin and death, we talked about Leviticus 19. This sermon will go in-depth and explain what these verses mean, as well as how they apply to society today. Now, Yahushua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, spoke on the laws of Moses. If you read the New Testament, that's what he was preaching to everybody. Every apostle, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, records that Jesus was speaking about Moses. So please, if you've ever heard that the law is done away with and we're under a new covenant, which is just love, you have been lied to because that is not the truth. And we are going to read Leviticus 19 and you are going to hear parts that Jesus himself has referenced. We all know the greatest commandment is love the Lord God with all your heart and mind. And then the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And the rest of everything falls upon that. Okay, so if the rest of everything falls within those two commandments, that means we still have to uphold the rest of everything. And we're going to talk about how we can uphold the rest of everything in the sermon. The reason why the world is the way it is now is because we no longer follow the word of Abba Yah and his morals, values, ethics, and character, which is what righteousness really means. If you listen to the sermon on righteousness, which is a Roman 10 study, and that breakdown, you learn that righteousness means integrity, morals, values, and ethics, and the character of the Lord God Almighty. We may, as individuals or in our own homes, put on righteousness to the best of our ability. But there are things within the moral law that needs to be applied to society to bring it back under righteousness and under the law of God. We will not cover the laws Yahushua HaMashiach Jesus Christ fulfilled as they are the verses on sin, atonement, and peace sacrifices. Yahusha again means Yah is salvation. God is salvation. So he was our final sacrifice. His mission on earth, his life was for the redemption and sanctification of our souls for whoever believes in him shall be saved Leviticus 19 verses 1 through 3 and the Lord spoke to Moses saying speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them 
Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. We should respect our parents, despite how they have treated us. Just because they may have been mean, or even gave us everything we ever wanted, does not mean we should mistreat them or disrespect them. We learn disrespect from those who are in our lives, our so-called role models. A well-written essay from a student in the United Kingdom states, Children these days often treat people with disrespect, for example, their parents, teachers, elders, classmates, or even a person of the opposite color or gender. Disrespect in children usually starts with their legal guardian or parents. Children learn disrespect from their parents by how they create a role model for their children, by how they approach and handle certain situations with their child, by the kind of relationship they carry with their spouse in front of their child, how their child sees them treat others at home, and lastly, from simple things like what kind of shows or movies that you allow your child or teen to watch on television. And that can also include video games because many video games these days are very violent and teach disrespect, especially to women. And one such video game that comes to mind is Grand Theft Auto because I have seen this video game played and it allows you to rape women and that is definitely teaching disrespect to women and that's not okay so parents is very important to watch how we interact with our children because if we're teaching them disrespect and then we're wondering, well, why do they have an attitude with us or why are they not minding us and whatever, chances are we may need to check our own attitudes and our own behavior because children do pick up on how we conduct ourselves. Verse 4, turn ye not unto idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. The question here you need to ask yourself is, what do you hold in your hearts and minds that are higher than your love and devotion to the Lord God? Is it money, your home, wanting to be like your favorite superstar? Or do you hold yourself to such a high esteem that you think you're better than everyone else? If you have something you are worshiping more than the Lord God Almighty, then that is an idol and you need to repent. The definition of idol, according to Webster's Dictionary, means an object of extreme devotion, such as a movie idol. A representation or symbol of an object of worship, a false god, a likeness of something a pretender or imposter, a false conception, a form or appearance visible but without substance, such as an enchanted phantom or a lifeless idol. 
the Hebrew definition of idol is assigned Hebrew Strong's H457, and it means good for nothing, by analogy, vain or vanity, specifically an idol, something of no value, a thing of not. It means, in the biblical outline of usage, a false god, thing of not, good for nothing, worthless. Um, and it can mean physician, a shepherd, a divination. Again, we see an enchanted phantom, which is what a divination is. So if you're worshiping other gods and you're not worshiping the true God, Abba Yah, the Lord God Almighty, then you fall under the false idol and the enchanted phantom because you are worshiping demons. Verses 9 and 10. And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shall thy gather the gleanings of thy harvest. And thou shalt not glean the vineyard, neither shall you gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. These verses mean that if you have a for farm or even a garden, you should not pick all your vegetables, but leave some of those for the poor. I have seen many people leave food on picnic tables or even in their own yards for those who are in need here in St. Louis County. This is a practice we should do not only in times of distress, but when we are well and thriving. It's kind of like those angel boxes I've seen throughout Missouri. People leave what they can and take what they need. Yet, if you are a gardener and there isn't an abundance of homeless people in your area, a good idea is to take produce to your area senior center or donate it to the locus, local homeless shelter. Um, working in the medical field, I did a lot of home health care too. And I know senior living communities, especially here in the United States, have been popping up everywhere where you have to be age 55 or older to even be able to live within these communities because they are senior citizen, you know, communities. And it makes sense. Um, but each senior housing area community has their own rec room. So it holds, you know, a nice area with a laundry facility it holds a nice gathering area where you know people are allowed to have parties um, and hold holiday festivals as a community um, one thing that I always paid attention to because I was responsible for doing my little lady's laundry um, I would notice what people would put in the community room and a lot of times during the summer, I would see cucumbers and tomatoes. And that just made my little lady's day because she was able to get fresh vegetables. And for our seniors who are on fixed incomes, having fresh food 
means so much to them. So again, if you are a gardener or a farmer looking to be more like the Lord God, he tells us to leave things for the poor and stranger. Now, again, if you don't have an abundance of homeless passing by your house, then a good opportunity to fulfill his moral law is to donate to the nursing home, to donate to your senior communities, because they are the ones who actually really do love and enjoy fresh food. Also, you can try to partner up with schools. Local produce in schools, and I know most of them are probably closed, but they still do meal delivery, would be a good opportunity for you to fulfill um, this moral law of the Lord God and to be giving back to your community. Whether or not you can your food, it doesn't matter because, again, seniors love canned food. And you never know how big an impact something as simple as food can make for somebody. And I'm telling you, it would be so appreciated. You may not be able to have that thank you come out of their mouth, Um But I know, again, working as a home health aide, that fresh fruits and vegetables especially mean the world to those who are on a fixed income and who don't get the food and nutrition that they so desperately need. Verses 11 through 12. Ye shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie to one another. And you shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shall you profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Stealing is self-explanatory, but what does lying really do to those you lie to? A new study on lying states. They saw a new study has found lying gets easier for humans the more they lie because lying changes the brain. Nature Neuroscience reported a study of the amygdala, the part of the brain dealing with emotional responses. The researchers said the amygdala shows up less and less as we lie more and more. The amygdala is recognized as a component of the limbic system and is thought to play important roles in emotion and behavior. It is best known for its role in the processing of fear, although, as we'll see, this is an oversimplified perspective on the amygdala function. So, when you lie, you are actually changing your brain and your amygdala, which is very important. Because if you are changing your amygdala, chances are you have a feeling of constant 
fight or flight and your baseline is out of whack because it is normal to feel a certain amount of anxiety in a situation that is supposed to produce anxiety. But when you're constantly feeling anxious and afraid in normal situations, your amygdala is out of whack and your baseline is not at its normal functioning baseline. And therefore, you need to reassess why. If you are a repetitive liar, chances are this is the reason your amygdala is out of whack. And the word of God is amazing because science, again, backs up why we should not do what it is he tells us to do. Science proves the word of God each and every time. And I love doing these studies and relaying this information to you because the word of God is truth. He may not have in the Bible said you should not lie because your amygdala and your brain changes. Back in the day, I believe because people knew more than what we are rediscovering now, it was implied as to why. And it may have even been explained Excuse me, as to why. So, here in 2020, it's my job to explain to you the why factor, which was something when I woke up and became knowledgeable in the Word of God's truth. My questions were why and how does this work? What do you mean? And He answers. So again, if you are a habitual liar, you are causing damage to your amygdala. The reason why in court, if you have ever had to give a testimony and swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God, is because there really is no separation of church and state. If there was, you would not be asked to swear by Abba Yah or in modern terms, the Lord God. This alone is the reason why we can and must take our nations back from the darkness, especially here in the United States. Because verse 12 again says, You shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shall you profane the name of the Lord thy God. I'm the Lord. So in court, they're asking you to tell the truth and to swear by God. Therefore, that makes that whole separation of church and state null and void. The definition of swearing means to utter or take solemnly an oath, to assert as true or promise under oath, excuse me, to assert or or promise empathetically or earnestly, to put to an oath, and to invoke the name of a sacred being in an oath. And this is not obsolete because um, last year I had to give a testimony in regards to my ex-husband and how he was treating my daughters, and I was asked to 
tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God, and raised my right hand, and I invoked the name of the Lord so I couldn't lie. That's exactly what occurs when you are asked to tell the truth under God. You're invoking his name and therefore you cannot give false testimony. The Hebrew definition of swear means an oath. Verse 13, thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Our wages that we earn are supposed to be paid the same day. Now, I work for DoorDash currently as a driver, and I have the option to get paid the same day for $1.99. And I know that there are some out apps out there that allow same-day pay, and I believe that is at a small rate for direct deposit, too. And taxation is a form of robbery. Our employers hold our wages so they can collect interest and taxes accumulate more. Abba Yah's word says nothing about our marital status or our circumstances regulating our pay. The government is what sets these standards and not all state taxes are the same. We are being taxed to death and until we stand for tax reform, that is equal across the board, nothing in regards to taxes will ever change. The federal tax withholding. The amount you withhold from your employee paycheck depends on the length of the pay period, the employee's individual circumstances, such as being married or single, or owning property, or having multiple jobs. Taxes in Missouri. Contrary to the claim that Missouri is a low-tax state, we found that this average family of four would have to pay more in income taxes in Missouri than 27 other states. Closer to home, that family also would pay more in Missouri than Oklahoma, Nebraska, Kansas, and Tennessee. Our results are just one indicator that Missouri's income taxes are not among the lowest in the country. What does Jesus say about taxes? Luke 3, 12 through 13 tells us. Then came the publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said to them, Exact no more than that which is appointed to you. When we vote, We are the ones appointing and approving these taxes. We have a choice if we would establish funds for road repair, schools, and community projects and actually contribute, we wouldn't need a tax system. But since things are not based upon the good moral hearts of man, taxation is the only way until we get back to the true word of Abba Yah and start doing as he first stated. Verse 14. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear thy God. I am the Lord. 
This verse should be self-explanatory. We are not supposed to hinder those who are physically impaired, nor mock them for their disabilities. This includes the blind, the deaf, the para and quadriplegic, those who have birth defects, the mentally ill, and so on. If you are ridiculing those who have a disability, then I feel sorry for you because you are not putting on the righteousness, the morals, the ethics, the character of the Lord God, and you are a hindrance to others when you should be loving your neighbor and lifting them up. Verse 15. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness shalt thou, thou judge thy neighbor. This verse means that we should hold judgment in our hearts, our minds, and in our courts to the same degree for all men and women, regardless of their economic status. No person is better than the next, and when you hold someone to a higher standard because they are rich and powerful, you are disobeying Abba Yah's morals, values, and his character. For all men are created equal in the eyes of the Lord God. Verses 16, 17, and 18. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, neither shall you stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in, in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. These verses go together because if we are lying and gossiping about our neighbor, our friends, and our co-workers, we are not in alignment to Abba Yah's morals and character. We are not to harbor hate, envy, or wish ill will to anyone on this planet. We are not to hold a grudge against the children of disobedience. Everyone has come into contact with a smart mouth little child who thinks they know everything. And in our minds, we say, if that was my child, well, you need to consider this. It is your child. We are to teach children and we are to reach them when they act out this way. You are to love them as yourself. So therefore, take a step back, change your perspective, and figure out what's really going on in that child's life and try to see if you can help the family or even the child themselves if it turns out to be that they don't have a family and they're in foster care and probably have gone through 15 different foster families and probably have been molested and sodomized and 
the whole horrible nightmare that really does take place in the foster system. The more love we show, the more love grows. And the more compassion we give to those children who are disobedient, the more impact we have. Because a child who acts out, acts out because they are angry for a reason. And those reasons, again, are probably physical, mental, emotional, and financial abuse. Verse 19. You shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let the cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and wool come upon you. We are not to inbreed our animals. This is a form of genetic engineering. Another term for it is hybridization. If Abaya wanted to create a zebroid or a liger or a Waffen, he would have, and these are just examples, for there are many more. A zebra plus any other equine is a zebroid. A lion plus a tiger is a liger, and a bottlenose dolphin plus a false killer whale equals a wolfen. These hybridizations do not occur naturally in nature and are a result of man intervening. The definition of hybridization is the process of an animal or plant breeding with an individual of another species or variety. Verses 23, 24, and 25. And when ye shall come into the land and shall have planted all manner of trees for food, then you shall count the fruit thereof as uncircumcised. Three years shall it be as uncircumcised to you, it shall not be eaten of. But in the fourth year all the fruit thereof shall be holy to praise the Lord withal. And in the fifth year shall you eat of the fruit thereof, that it may yield unto you the increase thereof. I am the Lord your God." Home Guide states that a standard or full-size tree begins producing fruit four to six years after you plant it. The rootstock may be P18 or MM11, which I have no idea what that means. So if you're a gardener, maybe you do, um, which produces a large tree of up to 30 feet tall with an equally wide canopy. You can keep the small or the tree smaller by pruning pruning it every year in late winter or early spring when the tree is dormant. So again, the word of God is proven by you know arborists. You're not supposed to really eat the fruit because a tree doesn't begin to produce fruit for about four to six years, which is what the Lord God says. In the fourth year, all fruit shall be holy. In the fifth year, you can start eating it because it's going to have the nutrients because your tree is now mature. Isn't the word of God beautiful? Verse 26, ye shall not eat anything with the blood, neither shall you use enchantment or observe times 
For a better understanding of what it means to not eat anything with the blood, we need to look at Leviticus 17.11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for your soul. So here we're going to look at the word life, and it is translated nefesh, which refers to the life source in human and animal circulatory systems. The text emphasizes the relationship between blood and life in every way possible. The life of all flesh is in its blood, and life contains blood. Without our circulatory system and our heart pumping blood through our veins and capillaries and aorta, we would not have oxygen to breathe. We would fill up with carbon dioxide and suffocate. So therefore, our circulatory system re vitalizes us, which is why we need to keep it healthy. It eliminates toxins and it provides us with life, which thus blood may not be eaten, but the animal's flesh may be. The word enchantment means um, in enchanter to whisper magic spells the biblical outline of usage means to practice divination to observe signs to learn by experience to practice divination to observe signs and practice fortune telling so we're going to look at to practice and observe We are not supposed to practice or observe any type of spells or learn from those who do. This means those TV shows you are watching are a form of learning and observation. Did you know that Sabrina the Teenage Witch uses real spells? The show's creator is a self-proclaimed pagan. An article in Vanity Fair writes... Sofer, like Sabrina, is a practitioner of the occult. Sabrina's witchcraft is a fictional blend of magic and mysticism, drawing from a variety of subcultures. Paganism, which Sofer practices, is just one of them. Her beliefs made designing the show, helping showrunner Roberto Aguirre Sacasa conceptualize the magical framework around each episode's actions. Contemporary paganism, sometimes referred to as modern or neo-paganism, is an umbrella term for belief and practice that encompasses modern witchcraft, including Wicca. The Church of Night in Sabrina is a fictional construct, so they claim, but witches are not. 
according to the Pew Research Center, about 734,000 Americans identify as Wiccan or Pagan. The Economist estimates that over 100,000 Britons likely practice neo-paganism. In Iceland, Nordic paganism is the nation's fastest-growing religion. Sofer also drew on her own knowledge while designing the look and feel of the spells encanted on screen by Sabrina and her fellow practitioners of magic. For those, Sofer consulted her personal collection of spell books and religious histories. Looking for the closest approximation to what the show required. Now, we are not supposed to observe. I've read other articles about Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which really says that Sofer puts in real magical spells. You need to vet what you are watching. Because if you think it's cool to do witchcraft, then you can't be under the laws, rules, and morals of the Lord God. And you should not be watching those shows. Verse 27 and 28. You shall not round the corners of your head, neither shall you mar the corner of your beard. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. Verse 27 is talking about head binding. Head binding is also called artificial cranial deformation and is a form of body operation in which the skull of a human being is intentionally deformed. The head binding process typically begins approximately a month after birth as the skull is most pliable at this time and continues for about six months. It is done by distorting the normal growth of a child's skull by applying force. Flat shapes, elongated ones, produced by binding between two pieces of wood, rounded ones, binding in cloth, and conical ones among the most utilized shapes. Verse 28 is not about tattoos. What it is about is the practice of making deep gashes on the face and arm and legs in time of bereavement. And this was universal among heathens, and it was deemed a becoming mark of respect for the dead, as well as a sort of proprietary offering to the deities who presided over death and the graves. The Jews learned this custom in Egypt, and though weaned from it, relapsed in a later age into the old superstition about not tattooing yourself. The impression was sometimes made um, of flowers, leaves, and stars with a hot iron, uh, sometimes paint, and Arabic families present day and different castes of Hindus do this as a type of economic status. You can 
that's what a caste system is, is a hierarchy of and economizes something. Um, it marks, you know, what caste or status you are. And it is a form of idolatry because, again, we are all equal in the eyes of the true Lord God. And that information came from James Faust and R. Brown um, from their critical and explanatory of Leviticus. Um, another site or book that I referenced was um, verse 28 means make any things in your flesh which is the practice of making deep gashes in the skin while mourning the death of a relative. This was done to provide blood life for the spirit of the dead person rather than to express sorrow on account of the dead as indicated above. This describes the purpose of all the actions in verse 27 as 28. Um, and that was from a handbook on Leviticus um, written by Peter Again, you can find all these references on the Lion's Tears ministry website. Um, verse 29 says, Do not prostitute your daughters to cause her to be a whore, lest the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. So, do you ever stop to wonder why the land is so wicked now? Where did prostitution begin? Prostitution is legal and are illegal, excuse me, in the vast majority of the United States as a result of state laws rather than federal laws. Currently, Nevada is the only U.S. jurisdiction to allow legal prostitution in the form of regulated brothels. You wonder why Las Vegas is called Sin City? Here you go. You can do anything in Vegas and nobody cares. The terms of which are stipulated in the Nevada Revised Statutes. But the thing about this is I care because our children are being victimized. Whenever you have a rough childhood and you don't get the help you need, chances are you turn to drugs, sex, alcohol, and whatever else in order to numb the pain. That's why a lot of these females out here are prostitutes because they never received the help. They were probably molested from an early age. They were probably sold for drugs and money at an early age. And that was all they knew because that's all they feel worthy of. So if you ever come in contact with a prostitute, do not judge her. Try to help her or him because there are male prostitutes out there as well. And again, working in the mental health field and at the hospital, I saw and learned so much about these young teenagers and even adults because I did work with the adults too, but they would come in and a lot of times their history of being molested and sodomized and raped repetitively was just something that stuck with them. And as an adult, they tended to not, you know, care because 
as children nobody cared about them so that's the view of the world that they have now nobody cares about me why should I care about myself and we have to change that stigma prostitution in the United States today estimates of the number of prostitutes in the United States range between 70,000 to 500,000 and that's a huge gap to not even know how many for real prostitutes there are in the United States. The history of prostitution. The earliest account of prostitution can be found in the list of occupations included in the Sumerian records dating back to 24,000 BCE. Due to the context of its placement in the list, prostitution may have been associated with temple work service. Thus, it would have been likely regarded as excuse me, an acceptable and legitimate profession, a sentiment that was reiterated less than a century later in the neighboring region of Babylonia when the legal rights of a prostitute were recorded in Hammurabi's code. So here is an example of how, especially the United States, still uses things from the Hammurabi code, which is, again, from Babylon, which is, again, against the word of God. This is why the body of Christ needs to start taking action. In all our nations, we still have codes from Babylon that are in effect today. On the ministry website, I do have a separate sermon on the laws of the United States and how they align with Hammurabi's code, which is Babylon. And I urge you to please read that because, again, if you are in the political system, if you have an office and you claim to be a child of the one true God, then you need to start changing these laws no matter where you're at. If you're in the United States, please start speaking up and actually doing something. If you're in the rest of the world, Stand up, research your laws, compare them to the Hammurabi Code, and see where it is that you can make a change. The more people who start making changes, the more we get back to the Word of God. And the more we get back to the Word of God, oppression ends and liberation can finally begin and take its place form and rightful place because the Lord God says light casts out darkness he gave us lands that we did not build he gave us houses that we did not furnish and build ourselves he told us to drive the darkness out when we are in the mind frame of oh this is how it's always been they are in the mind frame of the enemy and our mind, again, is a terrible thing to waste because the Lord God wants you to put on his character, his morals, and his values, to apply them to yourself, to your family, and to the community. For we, the body of Christ, need to move as one. And it starts with all of us. Verse 30. 
You shall keep my Sabbaths and reference my sanctuary. I am the Lord. When is the Sabbath day? We should observe the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday, from evening to evening as the Sabbath of the Lord our God. Evening is at sunset when days end and another day begins. No other day has ever been sanctified as the day of rest. The Sabbath day begins at sundown on Friday and ends at sundown on Saturday. So, you change the Sabbath to a Sunday. Maybe if you grew up Catholic, you would already know this. Who changed the Sabbath to Sunday? The Roman Emperor Constantine, a former sun worshiper, confessed conversion to Christianity through his subsequent actions suggests... The conversion was more of a political move than a genuine change of heart. Constantine named himself Bishop of the Catholic Church and enacted the first civil law regarding Sunday observance in AD 321. In the Converts Catechism of Catholic Doctrine, we read, Question, which is the Sabbath day? Answer, Saturday is the Sabbath day. Question, why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Answer, we observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church and the Council of Laodicea in AD 336 transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. Question, why did the Catholic Church substitute Sunday for Saturday? Answer, the church substituted Sunday for Saturday because Christ rose from Question, by what authority did the church substitute Sunday for Saturday? Answer, the church did Sunday for Saturday by the plentitude that the divine powers was bestowed upon her. And that is from Reverend Peter Gagamore um, on page 50 of your convert's Catechism of Catholic Doctrine, written in 1946. Nowhere in your Bible does it say that the church was given authority to change the word of God. So again, if you are a Roman Catholic, I would suggest that maybe you question your indoctrination and flee from Babylon. Verse 31. Regard them not that has familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord God. Here, familiar spirits means to talk to the dead, to conjure them up for information, as well as those spirits that run a person who is not under Abba Yah's spirit. When we chase after men or women who mean us harm or have a spirit that is similar to those who have harmed us that is a familiar spirit the definition of familiar spirit means a demon or spirit that serves or prompts an individual spirit of a dead person invoked by a medium to advise or prophesy verse 32 thou shall rise before a head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. This means we should respect our elders and learn from them. Youth and adults these days do not respect the elderly. 
I have learned so much from listening to the stories of those who have lived their lives while working in the field. Our elders have much insight, and if we would listen to them, things of this world could be different. History repeats itself because we don't take the time to listen and make the necessary changes. Verses 33 and 34. If a stranger journeys with you in your land, you shall not vex him. But the stranger that dwells with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as yourself, for you are all strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. We are supposed to treat all people equally. We are not to hinder another person, whether they are from another town or country. We are supposed to love all and accept all. By doing this, they will learn from us, which is what being a light to the Gentiles is all about. The more we shine Abba Yah's morals, values, and character into the land, the more people will come to know him and they will see the difference following him makes in our lives and will want to know how to change theirs. Righteousness yields prosperity. Verses 35 through 36. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meat yard, in weight, or in measure. Just balance, just weights, a just imp, and a just hen. You shall have, I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Every store should have the same price for food, for clothing, etc. Walmart, Schnucks, Kroger, IGA, and Aldi should have the same price and you should not have to use competitor ads or coupons to buy products to save money. When the system, especially attaining to weights and balance and measure, turn back to Abba Yah, things will be fair and all prices will be equal. That is what his word says. These stores get away with it because our mouths aren't open and we do not demand equality. We think we demand equality, but really we say these words and they are empty. 37. Therefore, you shall observe all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. I am the Lord, your God. The Lord did not tell us to sit by and say or do. He said to observe all my statutes. He said to do them. Oppression will not end until we turn back to Abba Yah. We must first change ourselves, our families, and then our communities. If you are already following Abba Yah's word, then you need to be the one to run for office in your community. If you're already in office, then run for a higher position and let Abba Yah direct you. It's fine to stand on principles when you're not faced with actually having to act on them. But that is considered hypocrisy because if you're not ready to put your belief and faith and principles to work and you just talk rather than act, that's a hypocrite. The reason society is the way it is now is because the body of Yahushua HaMashiach has gone silent and thinks that others will do the work. You need to ask yourself, what can I do to make the changes that need to be made?
sitting by and doing nothing is how we ended up like we are now. Again, thank you very much for listening to River City Revival. And as always, it's never goodbye, but I'll see you later.